What I'd like to do in spending a couple of sessions on 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 is illustrate that there are pretty much always two ways to look at a passage. One would be for the surface structure And the other would be for what I would call the reality within, within that structure. Both are enormously important. You won't ever get this reality with any certainty if you try to bypass the structure. And if you stay at the structure, you'll have a lot of interesting logical observations, but you won't be penetrating very deeply to the substance. So that's what we're going to do. First session on getting the structure, second session on pushing through it to the reality. Just before these verses, Paul has said, flee fornication or flee sexual immorality. And when this begins, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? That kind of rhetorical question that begins with or means for certainly you know. So flee fornication. For certainly you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So in a sense, all of this that we're going to be looking at is an argument for this command to be pure, to be chaste not to commit fornication or other sexual sins. So, Father, as we try to understand the, the nature of this argument for purity, show us the structure that's lying there for us to see on the surface and then dig us down deep into the reality behind these words so that we are changed by them. And live according to this text. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I do when I face a text like this is read it several times, looking for the propositions or the statements that it makes. So let's see how many there are. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? So I'm going to circle that as one of the main statements. Even though I could have broken this one out as a separate statement, it's simply modifying the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So, Glorify God in your body. So, one, two, three. I see four distinct statements. And when I see a series of statements like that, and I can see that they are connected with certain words, like here's a because, and here's a so, then I want to know in Paul's mind what's the What's the logical structure of these? How do they fit together? How do they relate to each other? And the way I, I think in my head is 
from the most basic, which I put at the bottom down here, which is the foundation or the cause or the ground or the support of everything else. And then what's the top? Where is it all going? So the, the ground and the goal, and then how do the pieces in the middle fit together? So let's, let's do it like this. And I'm, you, you test me now because I'm making a judgment call here that at the bottom is the statement... You were bought with a price. Now that statement leads to what? Which what comes next of these of these four? That word uh, four right here, means this is the ground for that, right? So if you read backwards, if you read forwards, it goes like this. You were, you're not your own, for you were bought with a price. If you read this way, then it goes, you are bought with a price, therefore you're not your own. So that's what I'm going to put next. Therefore, you are not your own. But who, who's, whose are you? you? But you are whose? And I'm going to put those on the same level if we have an answer. You could say, well, Holy Spirit, I suppose. Do you not know that you were, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You're not your own. You belong to the Spirit. Well, that would be true. But look, when he adds whom you have from God, he seems to um, say that God, whom you have, the Spirit, you have him from God. God gave you the Spirit. God put the Spirit in you, and therefore it, he, it's, it's more like he's treating God as your owner now, and he chooses to put his spirit in his house. So you are God's house. I'm going to put God here, but, but God owns you, or you, you belong to God. Now, what's next? You were bought with a price, so you're not your own. You belong to God. God owns you. Therefore, what? He put his spirit in you. His spirit was put. I'm getting that from you have, from God, was put in you. And one more. So, glorify God with your body. Interesting, he calls it your, even though he's just said, you are not your own. So it's yours to use according to the owner's 
purposes, right? So here's the here's what I would call the surface structure. You were bought with the prices at the bottom. That gives rise to you are not your own. And I get that from that relationship right there. You are not your own, but you are God's, which I get from that phrase right there. Therefore, his spirit is put within you. Since you belong to God now, he has caused his spirit to dwell within you as his temple. Therefore, I should put a little arrow here. Therefore, and I get that from the word so, glorify God in your body. Now, a lot of interpreters or students stop there. Look, we've seen, we've seen the structure, so be about it. But just, just think of it. You were bought. What does that mean? What was the price? You are not your own. What does that mean, I'm not my own? We've already seen I am my own here. But no, you're not your own. So what does that really mean in experience, in, in reality? And the Holy Spirit is in you as a temple. How can that be? What does that mean? The Spirit doesn't even have spatial dimensions. How can he be in a place? And how is it that the Holy Spirit being in us would result in our passionately glorifying God? What does it even mean to glorify God? We can't make him glorious. And how does the Spirit relate to that? You see, reality, reality, reality is, is so important. We haven't even seen most of the reality here, even though we've made wonderful discoveries about how the structure of the text works. So here we go next time in digging into some of these questions.